My goodness, we are excited today about this whole day of celebration. Right after this service is over, I mean right after it, uh, I last count 28, maybe up to 30 people right now are going to be baptized, a symbol in the natural of a death, a burial, and a resurrection. The Bible says we are to join Jesus in baptism. This is what the Bible calls us to do. So we want to invite you all to a baptismal service right after this. Those of you that are being baptized, you need to get ready. As soon as this is over, uh, don't go visiting, don't go off. You go and get your clothes changed and get right out there because we're going to gather around and uh, start our baptismal service as soon as this is over. And church, just to let you know, this is a picture-taking event because that's what baptism is all about. I want everybody to see that this old person is not alive anymore. And I'm burying this person and from I'm living a brand new life from the way I was born. So this is a very uh, momentous occasion as a public statement, a public declaration is being made and we will be clapping and hugging after each one is uh, baptized and comes up out of that water. This is an exciting time. We won't be long, so we'll uh, encourage you to stay and gather around out there as we enter in to our baptism service. As we open the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we quickly are aware that it's not a description of creation. This building couldn't contain all of it. took this many molecules, this many sections. It doesn't describe how God did it. Genesis 1 and 2 is a declaration of truth. God did this. God created the heaven. God created the earth. He parted the water. God created all the animals. God created. It's a declaration of creation. Here's what God did. If you take a jar and you put some metal and you put some plastic uh, in it and you shake this jar, as a matter of fact, I encourage you to try this experiment at home. Get you a jar, put a little metal and plastic in it, and just start shaking it. And I would suggest you shake it for 30 to 50 billion years and see if an iPhone falls out of there. You know, since random chance, these things bang together, and uh, an iPhone is just going to, come on, random chance, are you, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. How a person believes about the first four words of the Bible sets their entire worldview intact. In the beginning, God. Now, how you believe about the very first four words of the Bible sets your entire worldview in shape. This all started with God. It wasn't random chance. It wasn't time plus chance. This started with God. Our men that landed on the moon for the very first time step out of the spaceship, start walking across the floor of the moon, look down, see something strange, pick it up, and it is a programmed iPhone. Their reaction wouldn't be, wow, look what randomly happened here as some things kind of crashed together and put this. Come on. It's, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. For the life of me, I can't even possibly understand how, well, Romans chapter 1 says you have to deny. You have to suppress truth because it's clearly inside you. You cannot see or have a plan without a planner. There's not a design without a designer. We're all very well aware that order over time becomes disorder. 
you never see disorder over time become an order. The example that I use, and y'all have heard me say this countless times, you can put a 2023 GMC white pickup truck out in a field and you come back 500 years later and there will be a pile of rubber, steel, and glass. That's what happens. You can't take a little bit of rubber, steel, and glass, pile it up out in a field and come back 500 years later and there's a brand new pickup sitting there. The scientific law of entropy explains this everything over time goes to disorder so how foolish it is for science to stand on the law of entropy in every case except the first four words of the bible in the beginning god in the beginning god and he created everything that's here here's how he did it he created it by his plan his purpose on his intent. Creation was perfect. God did not create, and I don't know how we ever came up with or allowed insurance companies to refer to acts of God as that God created that. God didn't create that. God didn't create cancer or heart attack. He didn't create hurricanes. He didn't create tsunamis. That was not in God's creation. That was not in his plan. That's not an act of God. Tim, I've heard you preach on this countless times. I've heard you talk about a salvation message. Church, today, it's just like on Christmas Day, we read the Christmas story. You've read it a thousand times, but we go over it to remind us of the powerful thing that God did for us. Today, we go over this, not because you don't know this message, we go over this in celebration and remembrance of the miraculous historical event that God did on, a, on my behalf, on my behalf. Genesis chapter 3, God wanted mankind to love him out of a choice. So to give a choice, he put one tree in the garden and says, don't eat of it. Now, every time we walked by that tree, we were choosing God. We're all familiar with the story. The devil comes in the form of a snake. Now, hold on. D don't, don't roll your eyes and act like this is a foolish story. Tim, seriously, I don't believe all that. D don't tell me you don't believe that. Let me just ask you, have you ever done anything you really didn't want to do? Have you ever said anything you really didn't want to say? If there's no negative force out here, then why did you do that? Why did you act like that? Why did you do that? Why did you do something that now you're embarrassed that you did? There's a negative force out here. For the sake of time, let's just go ahead and call it the devil. Let's just call it his demonic angels and demonic activity. That's what we are facing every day of our life. And we're well aware of this story because it's played out every day in our own life. The penalty in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 for sin, for rebellion, for going against God was death. That was the penalty of sin, was death. Now, if you remember, we were created in the image of God. God is a triune being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is a triune being. So in that image, we were created a triune being. Body, soul, or the mind, and the spirit. Body, mind, and the spirit. Now, we know that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. We know that they ate of the apple. 
Well, Tim, they didn't just kill over dead. No, they didn't physically die. They died spiritually. Remember, three-part being, there was a spiritual death that took place. Now, mankind was a body and a mind and spiritually dead. Dead on the inside. Many of you know exactly what that's like. You were right there. I was dead on the inside. I just dead on the inside. You were going to school, but just dead on the inside. You were going to work every day. I mean, you got married, you had a family, you were trying to pay bills, but you were empty. You were empty on the inside. And at some point along in there, because you were empty, because you were lonely, because you were hungry, because you were, I'm, I'm, this isn't, there's more to life than this. So very early, you started trying alcohol. You started trying drugs to try to, try to I'm just, I'm, I'm, you're dead on the inside. So let me drink a little more. Let me snort just a little bit more. Well, let me change towns. Let me change jobs. Let me change families. Let me, because you're traveling through life looking for a void to be filled on the inside of you. Romans chapter five and six explains all of this. Through one man, Adam, a sin nature was passed down to all mankind. We're trapped. We're trapped in a sin nature. Oh, Tim, I, this is too religious for me. I don't believe any of that. Come on. Just look around. We talk about it all the time. Put two kids, just one-year-olds, in the floor and set one toy in the middle of them. And see if they say, here, you play with it first. When you're finished, then I will play with it. Come on, it's not going to happen. Well, it will, even worse, let's set a whole floor full of toys and a kid pick up one. What toy does this other kid want to play with? Now, on the way over to the friend's house, the mom didn't stop in the car before they get in and say, now, when we, and this one-year-old in the car seat, now, when we get in there, you bite, you kick, you throw a fit, you rip the toy away from that other kid and bite him on the arm. Where... Why do we do that? Where did we learn that behavior? Now, honey, we're going to go into Walmart. You're just a year old, but I want you to throw yourself in the floor of the shopping cart, kick your feet, scream, start banging on the walls of the shopping cart, start reaching and clawing. For Where do we learn to do that? It's a born thing. It's, a, it's what we call a sin nature that we are born with, and, and nobody taught us to be like that, we inherited that genetic deficiency from the sin nature passed down from Adam. You can read Romans chapter 8, learn all about this. He explains it in great detail. Clearly, Adam's sin nature is passed down to all of us, and we've been controlled by that. We, we're, we've been right there. Mankind was in trouble with no hope. The penalty for sin was death. The problem is we're all sinners. We've all messed up. So what do we do? What do we do? For some 4,000 years of history, mankind lived under the old covenant with God. You take a perfect lamb, a dove, a heifer. It had to be perfect, no blemish. You would take it to the priest who was a mediator between you and God, and you would take, he would take your sacrifice and offer that sacrifice for you in a covering of your sin. Every time you sin, 
You take a perfect animal to the priest. I started thinking the other day, boy, it'd be tough for me to be in the cattle business. Whew. If every time I sinned, I had to take one of my cows down there, I'd be in trouble real, real quick. There we were, hopelessly trapped in a sin nature, spiritually dead, alive in our mind, alive in our body. I mean, your mama used to whip you and tell you to be nice, and you weren't. You, you just, I mean, you, you, your mama said, don't you lie, and you just couldn't help it. You tell a lie. You just did. See, the problem is a sin nature. You can read about this in Romans chapter 7. It explains all of this. And Romans chapter 7 says, I, I don't even understand myself. I want to do right. The dead gum end up doing wrong. I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. Everybody in the world clearly understands this. It clearly, we live here. You need help. You need help. You've tried to quit. You've tried to stop. You've tried to change yourself. How many times have you said, I'm never doing that again? You're doing it again before Friday night. I mean, I'm not doing that again. I'm not living like that. I'm not doing like You've tried. You've tried. You've tried. See, we're hopelessly trapped in a lost state. When you read Romans, it says, who will free me? What a question. Who will free me from this miserable life that's dominated by sin and death that I'm living? To pay the penalty for sin, it had to be man. God couldn't pay it because God didn't know it. It had to be a man that paid it. Problem was, man couldn't pay it because all men owe the debt. So we're trapped here. What do we do? We're in a hopeless situation. Well, for several hundred years, Prophets begin to write. They, they begin to write about a baby. They, they would write about a virgin. They would write about a manger. They would write about riding on a colt of a donkey. They would write about a star that was going to mark the way. And, and, and scholars begin to read all these prophecies. They started trying to line up all of these prophecies. Wise men would take these, these papers and, and they would try to line these prophecies up. And for hundreds of years, we were studying, we were watching, we're trying to figure this out. And, and you've read these historical accounts. Some shepherds one day were out tending their flocks. One night, you've read the account of virgin. She was engaged, but she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. You, you read about some wise men. You, you read about some angels making proclamations. And you read about a child being born and laid in a manger. There was a few that showed up. There was a few that visited. There was a few that took gifts. There was a few that worshiped. And there was, there was a few that watched and watched and waited. Some 30 years later, a man named John was out in the wilderness baptizing people. He was calling them to repent. And one day, one day he looks up and a man was walking down toward the water and John points his finger and he says behold the Lamb of God 
Now, everybody understood the Lamb of God. Everybody understood, behold, the Lamb of God. Then what did he say? Who takes away the sins of the world. Whoa. Whoa. Hold on just a minute. I understand atonement. I understand a covering for sin, but I don't know nothing about sin being taken away. Whoa, when John pointed his finger and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was a seed of God that bypassed the Adamic sin nature seed. It bypassed that. But it fertilized the egg of a woman that made Jesus all God but all man, the only person that could come to this miserable, helpless state that we're in. And Jesus wades out into that water. John baptizes him. The heavens open up. The Spirit of God descends on this man in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven comes out and says, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased, and the fight is on. The devil hits the panic button. The fight is on Jesus. The first man born that didn't owe the penalty of sin. The first man born that didn't need to die for his sin was crucified. Shed his blood fulfilling the debt that I owed. Now he was taken off of that cross and he was buried. And three days later, three days later, guards all around, everybody doing everything they can to prevent what was prophesied, but that stone rolled back. Early, on a Sunday morning, early on a Sunday morning. And from that point forward is why we don't worship on Saturday. We now worship on Sunday. Why don't we keep the Sabbath day? Well, because we changed covenants. We moved from the old covenant to the new covenant and it happened early on a Sunday morning. That stone rolled back. There was an earthquake, an angel came, death, the grave could not hold him. We've got some required reading. We gave you a book today as you came in. I just decided I wouldn't preach for seven and a half hours. I'd just hand you a book today to explain this in detail. It's required reading. I want everybody in the family to read this. Uh, pass it around. I want you to read this, it doesn't take long to read. It was written by an atheist, sick and tired of hearing all of this fabricated business, and he set in to historically disprove our celebration on Easter. I won't spoil the book for you, but he gets saved at the end of all of his research. Read this book, you're gonna like it. Pass it around, when you finish, send it to a family member. Everybody needs to read this account. On Easter, we celebrate, and we do so because of my sins. My sins, there is forgiveness for my sins. Today, you can be washed clean. 
And, and maybe that has a different meaning for some in here than it does for others. I just happen to be one that needs forgiving. I just happen to be one that needs forgiveness because you may not, you may not know this about me, but I've not been perfect. I need forgiving. I need forgiving. I need to be washed clean. And you know, I need to have a redo. Uh, I just blew that. Let me have a brand new, fresh start. And that is why the entire world celebrates Easter. The entire world. It's never, never ceases to amaze me when I go in heathen, publicized heathen stores and they're selling Easter stuff. Come on. The whole world knows about Easter. The Bible's very clear. We are to join Jesus in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. And we do that through the symbol of baptism. We say, here I am. I'm today. Everybody look. Everybody watch this. I'm dying to this old person that I used to be. I'm, I'm dying to that person. I'm, I'm going to bury that person. I'm going to be washed clean. And then I'm coming up out of that to live a brand new life. See, a brand new life. And that's exactly what we're going to do after this service is over. We're going to see some 30 some odd people make that public declaration of a death, burial, and a resurrection. We raise our children in this church, in a Christian school, under teachers who know God, who know his word, and they teach our children. The, the children of parents in this church raise our kids in children's ministry where they are imparted, they are taught, they are sown into their thinking, the Word of God, God's plan for their life. It's foundational. It's a foundational understanding as we raise our children. This gives our kids an understanding, and it gives them protection as they grow. But at some point in every person's life, whether you're raised in church or whether you're not raised in church, at some point in every person's life, you come to the place in yourself where you know there is more to life than I'm experiencing. I need to ask Jesus to come. I'm glad my dad did. I'm glad my mom did. I'm glad all those down at the church did. I'm glad Pastor Josh did. I'm proud for them. But I now am of the age I've got to ask Jesus into my heart. There's a point in your life where you lay your life down and you die to that person. A death takes place and you bury that old person. Jesus, come into my life. And when that happens, the Spirit of God comes in and you have been living all of this time with a body and with a mind, but a dead spirit on the inside of you. When you ask Jesus to come in, that spirit on the inside of you is given life. It's given life. Now, you're not perfect. You're still trying to work out some old habit patterns. You spend the rest of your life trying to work out some old thinking patterns. But there's something different. There's something different about your life. You're experiencing a joy that you never had before. You're experiencing a fulfillment that you've never had before. See, there's a contentment inside you that you've never had before. And all life just gets good. 
We still have problems. We still got ups and downs, and we got crises. But life's good for me. See, life is good for me. I'm not miserable anymore. Life is good for me. My spirit has been made alive. And you walk out of that grave. Living a new creation. Old things have passed away. You've been born again. You've been born again. For many of you who lived a life before you got born again, some of those friends from back in those days don't even hardly recognize you. They, you're doing what? You're acting what? You're entertaining how? What? I don't really even know what, what's going on here. Let me just ask real quick. How many of you were raised as a little kid every Easter Every Easter Sunday, having a new outfit or something new to wear. Oh, yeah, look at all the hands. That's, that's what my generation, that's what we did. You, you didn't go to church on Easter without having a new little outfit on. Every kid, new little outfit on. Had a new outfit. Why did we do that? I mean, obviously, God didn't care what we wear. I don't know how. We, well, it was the way we celebrate. It's a new life. This is a new day. And, boy, we just, in our generation, you on Easter Sunday... You put on something new because you were saying, I've been made new. I've been made new. For some of you, this is not my normal dress. Some of you are still dealing with the shock of this outfit. I realize that. But I told Terry this last week, I wore a new shirt. I want to go to town. I want a new shirt for Easter. I'm thankful today for a new life. I'm thankful for a new life. I thank God. I've got a peace inside me. I'm having a fun. I'm having an enjoyable life. Is everything perfect? Is everything just like we'd want it? Heavens, no. You ain't got time to hear all the people I'm mad at. But there's a peace on the inside of me. There's a joy that's come to my life. And it's all because of Easter Sunday morning. It's all because of this celebration today. I pray that as you hunt Easter eggs, as you have on a new shirt or you go to a family get together, whatever you do, I pray as you do whatever you're going to do, go cook some burgers or whatever you're going to, I just pray whatever you're doing. You're celebrating a new life, a new life. Because of what God did some 2,000 years ago, I've been forgiven. I've been washed clean. I've been given a brand new life. I've been born again. I've been born again. And many of you today know exactly what I've been talking about. And it doesn't have nothing to do with bowing a head and slipping a hand up and nobody looking around. It don't have nothing to do with that. Doesn't have nothing to do with you repeating three sentences and then walking out of here. Has everything to do with you coming to a point in your life where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? Now I'm happy and I'm going to the parties and I'm playing and doing, oh, we're having a great... Inside, I'm sick of it. Inside, now I ain't telling none of my friends, I'm sick of this mess. I'm just, I'm sick of this. This life is going nowhere all I'm doing is making money and paying bills and making money and paying bills. I'm not doing anything. I'm not going anywhere. I, I'm, I'm dying on the inside. And I'm, I'm dying to that. I'm done with it. 
I'm burying that person. And right now, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. See, he can forgive you, but until you receive it, you're still miserable. See, you receive his forgiveness. You, you, you receive him, and he comes in and fills up your life. I receive you as my Lord. I've been Lord. I've called all the shots. I've made all the decisions, and I'm tired of seeing where that's getting me. I'm done with me being Lord. I understand lordship, but I'm ready to turn the keys of this car over to you. See, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to make you the Lord of my life. Your life changes. You're a whole new person. Right now, there's some in here. I don't know, you may have been in church most all of your life, but you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never invited Jesus to be your Lord. See, you've never turned lordship over to him. You've never, you've been in church your whole life, but you've never repented of your sins. You've, you've not been born again. You've been in church. You've been, yeah, you've gone to church most all of your life, but you've never asked him into your life and turned lordship over to him. Well, today would be a really good day to do that. The only better day today would have been yesterday. But since we didn't get it done yesterday, we'll take today. Today. We're celebrating a historical event that changed the whole world. God intervened. God came down to earth and rescued a lost, hopeless mankind. And we're celebrating today that that stone was rolled back, that Jesus defeated death, Jesus paid a penalty that I owed, and as we celebrate worldwide celebrations, I can't think of a better day for you to ask Jesus into your heart and for you to be born again. I can't think of a better time for that to happen. Y'all stand with me. Come on, let's give him praise in here for what he's done. Let's give him thanks. Let's give him praise. God's made a way for you. Some in here today, your life's messed up. You made some wrong choices, made some bad decisions, and, and God knows that. You, you're not have to be ashamed of that because God knows that. That's why we're celebrating today is because God recognized that. God saw you in your hopeless situation. God recognized that, and he sent Jesus. God, right now, I died of my old life. I died of that old person. I'm done with that old life. Right now, I'm done with being Lord of my life. I surrender lordship to you. All over this place. You may have been in church your whole life. Come on, surrender lordship to him. I surrender lordship to you. Lord, today I want to bury that old person. I don't want that old person still around. I want to bury that old person. I'm dying to that old person. Jesus, come in and fill my life with your presence. I live in a brand new life from this point forward. 
I receive you as Lord of my life. Lord, I loose the ministry of your Holy Spirit over this group of people today and over specifically each individual here. Direct them, guide them, your hand be on them as we live our life now under your lordship, pleasing to you. We honor you today. We give you thanks and we give you praise for your forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. God bless you. Happy Easter. Here we go. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.